everyone. Glad that you're here. If you're new to fullness, we are a church that uh, believes fully in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We fully embrace those two great streams that, that um, Jesus said to the woman at the well, the true worshiper is the one who comes to worship in spirit and in truth, and that we fully need to embrace both of those aspects of the Christian life, the Spirit of God, the person of the Spirit, 100%, and the Word of God, His truth in our lives that we can't do with just one or the other. We need to fully embrace all of those. And so we believe in Spirit-directed worship. We believe in the power and presence of the Spirit giving us life. We believe in studying God's Word and by the power of the Spirit, uh, trying to understand what He has for us today. So I'm just to let you know, I, I try not to, I'm just going to hold this water, I'm not really going to drink it, um, I'll get it later. Um, I try not to repeat sermons uh, very often, although as I'm getting older it seems I'm running out of things to say, so uh, I'm, I'm repeating a little more than I used to, but I do traditionally, if you've been a part of Fullness for a number of years, start the new year with a particular sermon, and I'm going to do that again today. Um, talking about um, the need for us to wake up, that many times we get lulled into sleep um, spiritually, and we don't really we don't really know it. And so we start every single year with a time of uh, prayer and fasting, time of prayer and fasting, because it it helps us stir us up spiritually to wake up. And to start to realize we have accumulated some things in our lives over the past year that maybe we're not even aware of. Uh, one of the, you know, whenever you talk about fasting, people who don't come from a tradition where fasting has been a part, automatic, or maybe even if they are a part of a tradition where fasting is a part, generally come away thinking, isn't that so Old Testament? Isn't that so legalistic that... Um, the fasting. I mean, I see where Jesus fasts and his followers in the New Testament fast, but it doesn't seem like it's a discipline that we really need to participate in today. And I would say, I, I think it's a discipline we need to participate more in today. Uh, because l- let me kind of give you, this is not the sermon, but this is a lead into this time of prayer and fasting that I think is critical uh, just to remind us um, about let me let me give you this the the background. Jesus is probably at the most um, is at the high point of his spiritual life on earth when he's on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, it, it's incredible encounter with God and his disciples see things that they just can't even believe and. They're overwhelmed by the presence of God, and Jesus is transfigured. His, his spiritual man really breaks through more of his flesh. They see the glory of the Lord. It, it's indescribable to us what exactly occurred. And he comes down from this mountaintop experience, and in both in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this account is recorded. He comes down, and from this incredible spiritual time, and he finds his disciples fighting with the religious leaders. They're arguing over something. 
So he comes, in, he comes from this time of spiritual high into this situation of chaos where his followers are fighting with the religious leaders, and it's over the fact that a man has brought his sick, demonically possessed boy to the disciples to heal them, and they can't. They can't cast the demon out. They're not sure why. The religious leaders jump in. They jump on him. Oh, look, you're abusing. There's no telling what was said. But there's, the guy is over here with his boy trying to figure out how do I get my boy well. The disciples are, are fighting with the religious leaders, and they accuse Jesus. And he says this, this phrase to them where he says, You unbelieving and perverse generation. You unbelieving and perverse generation. And notice the language here. He, he says to them, you lack something. You lack belief, right? And you have too much of something. You're perverse. Um, it, it's, a, it's a way of saying you've given yourself over to the, the fleshly desires of life. You've perverted truth. You have not enough belief. And you have too much of the world. And one of the things I think prayer and fasting does for us is it says, you know, I want to I actively seek the right thing. I want to I head in the right direction. I, I want to actively seek out of God, to, to God, because of belief. I want to raise belief. I want to be in the presence of God. At the same time, I want to deny myself fast some things that have led me astray and are ruling my life. I don't want to be unbelieving. I don't want to be perverse. Now, no one wants to be perverse. Let's just face it. Uh, that's just not a word. But let's see perversity as an indulgent life where I'm feeding my flesh because that's not the... that's. Really, the definition of perverse is you're not going after something healthy in a way that is healthy. You're just feeding your, you're feeding your flesh. So what fasting and prayer, prayer and fasting does, and we try and put prayer first because it's really about all us being in the presence of God, we want to we seek after him. And at the same time, so that's an action step, and we want to deny our flesh something. Jesus goes on and says to the man, um, well, the man says to Jesus, hey, my boy, he's, he's demonically possessed, and if you can heal him, would you? And Jesus kind of says, if you can, if I can, basically. And he goes on and says, almost that line that Mary says when she receives the word from the angel where he says, listen, nothing is impossible for God. I can, we can do anything. He talks about belief, and the man says one of the greatest lines in the New Testament, a prayer of mine over and over and over again. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I, I have faith. A little bit. I had enough faith to bring the boy here but I need more. Help my unbelief. Let faith rise up within me, which I think should be a daily prayer really for all of us. Wherever your level of belief, you, you want to you wanna walk in more belief. You want to walk in greater faith. So Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. 
Jesus, of course, in his kindness, is, he heals the boy. He casts the demon out. The boy is healthy. Later, he's talking to his disciples, and they're saying, hey, uh, how come we couldn't do that? How come we tried? And we've, we've been pretty successful about some stuff like this in the past. You know, they weren't like, this wasn't their first time out of the gate, so to speak, to heal and have demonically possessed people set free. So it's not like they're saying, hey, we, we've seen you do it, and we just tried it for the first time. We couldn't do it. You're Jesus. We're not. They're saying, we've done, basically, they're saying, we've done this before, but we couldn't this time. Jesus says to them that line, this kind can only, can come out only by what? Prayer, and then in a lot of versions, it adds fasting, by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. In other words, he wasn't saying to them, by the way, when you get a demonically oppressed boy, that's the time to go into prayer and fasting. He's saying, you got to be ready so that when the moment comes, you're ready. You're prepared. You're ready. You don't know what's going to happen moment by moment, day by day, but you've got to be ready at every moment to, to go into battle and to do what's necessary. And this kind is only going to come out if you're really prepared by prayer and fasting. And so this time where we start the new year, it's really a time of preparation for us. It's a time of resetting, of saying, look, I want to seek after God, and at the same time, I want to I want to make sure my priorities are in order. I am going to get to the three points of the sermon because they're really good. But um, let me just say that we believe that Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, I, I pray that your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless till the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We believe that you are made up of a, a spirit man that is darkened until... You come to know Jesus Christ. Sin has darkened the spirit man of your existence. It, it's there, but it's just sinful and dark. And so when you come to know the Lord, the Spirit of God enlightens you. He comes and makes his home. He dwells in you. The Spirit of God indwells you. And then you're made up of a soul, spirit, soul, and body. Soul, mind, will, and emotions kind of make up the soul area of your life. And then you have this carton, this physical being that we are. So you're made up of spirit, soul, and body. Now, most of your life is spent in the care of your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your body, right? So for a lot of us, we took, um, we did um, New Year's resolutions these last, this last week. Most of them had to do with the carton. You know, I mean, really, most of them had to do with the container, uh, okay, I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to give up this kind of food, I'm going to get this kind of, I'm, I'm going to do something. And it, it needs an act of our will so that our mind, will, and emotions can think to, in order to accomplish. In other words, what I'm saying is most of the time, in a healthy way, you feed your body and you feed your soul. And one of the things fasting does, it realigns, and it, after a while, your body and soul think, every time I say, feed me, he feeds me. If I, if I do this, he does this. If I do this, he does this. I just need to say it, he'll do it. Kind of thing. What fasting does, it realigns us and says, I am not going to feed my, that 
that my body and soul. And, it's, and so fasting can be anything from food to entertainment to uh, media. It, it, it can accomplish, it's maybe not something unhealthy, and a lot of times it's something very healthy, but it's saying to our body and our soul, you're not in charge of me. My spirit, man, the spirit of God who indwells me, he's in charge of me. He's the one who rules me. I'm going to rule my life so that I hear from him. And most of the time, the things that feed our body and soul, they're not bad, but they do get out of a line. And if at some point you don't, by, by the spirit of God, train your spirit man to align with the spirit of God, then at some point you will get in trouble because when your body or soul says, feed me, if you're not careful, you won't think about it and you'll launch into something you should never have launched into. So fasting realigns us by denying our soul and our body something in order to hear from God and to get realigned with Him. And let me just say, we all need it. As soon as you start fasting, you, as soon as I start fasting, I don't know about you, as soon as I start fasting, I say, I want to hear from God. God is going to come down and speak to me, and the glory of God is going to fill me. And, 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 and you know what happens to me? Every single time, and I'm shocked just as much every single time, the flesh rises up within me, and I say some of the meanest, stupidest things to people around me. I mean, just things that I think are taken care of, somehow they've crept back in to my life, and it's like the dross, kind of, you know, a fire comes on, and all of a sudden the junk floats to the surface, and it's been hidden. You don't even think it's there. You think you've dealt with it, and boom. Not only do you see it, but if you're not careful, everybody else around you sees it too, which is fine if you're in a loving environment where people are forgiving. Um, but if you're not, it's going to be a tough week. So you, you, we need to realign because we don't all know what's going on. So fasting and prayer to us is really, really important. And one of the things it helps us do, it helps us to wake up. It helps us to wake up. And many times we think, what do we need to, why do we need to wake up? And R.T. Kendall, um, a long time ago, when he came here and spoke at Fullness, he brought a little book, and it had this part in it about being asleep. And he talks about three dangers of being asleep, or three characteristics. And you can see these in physical sleep, but they're also in spiritual sleep too, when we've kind of fallen asleep spiritually. He says, you don't know that you're asleep until you wake up right? I mean, when you're asleep, you really don't know. And then you wake up and you say, oh, I was asleep. Sometimes it's like that when we're spiritually asleep. We don't realize we're in spiritual sleep. Uh, you dream about doing things that you would not do otherwise if you were awake. Hello? I mean, come on now. I mean, lots of us, we've had dreams at some point and you wake up and, whoa, I would never do. We we, Kathy had this dream where I did something horrible, and she was mad at me for like two days <laughs> in her dream. Have you ever tried to dr defend yourself against somebody's dream? I mean, I've done enough bad things she could be really mad about, but this is a dream, and I, I was in, honey, I'm sorry? What do I say? I mean, you can't really, I can't really do anything about it. But you do the same thing. You, you think about things... And, if you're not careful, you'll do them. When you're spiritually asleep, you'll start thinking about doing things you wouldn't do if you're really in touch with the Spirit of God. 
And you hate the sound of that stinking alarm. You hate it. Hit that sloth button over and over again every 10 minutes. You may call it the snooze button, but it is a sloth button uh, that you hit over and over again. So Paul says in Romans, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. This whole series is, is called Prepare, and I'll line up why we're calling it Prepare even even a little more uh, at the end of this sermon today and then in the weeks ahead. But the first thing we need to do in order to prepare is wake up, is to wake up. And Paul's command here in Romans is not to unbelievers. This is to believers. It is time, believing church, church of Jesus Christ, to wake up. What do we wake up to? Well, first, we want to wake, wake up to the call for diligence. Now, here's how I'm li- I've lined out this sermon for those of you who have, who've never heard it before. Uh, I, I've got a lot of points a long time ago from this Puritan book, Puritan preacher, who took me through the Proverbs. I just looked at the Proverbs, and if you've never studied the Proverbs, there's a lot that the Proverbs has to say about the sluggard. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the sluggard is just a lazy, sleepy person. And so we're going to see the sluggard today in our study as looking at three different Proverbs uh, as an example of someone who's spiritually asleep. And so we're going to look at three things that Solomon says in the book of Proverbs about what happens to the sluggard and in turn how that we should respond, okay? So the first one is we need to wake up to the call for diligence. And so the first passage is from... Proverbs 26, 14, which says this, As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. I mean, you know the door on its hinges. It's just like this is a sluggard in his bed. Boom, 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 boom. He's moving a lot, but he's going nowhere. Right? It's just one side, one side to the other. And he's speaking here of the one who has quit being diligent. They've ceased even looking out of the bed. The ones who are asleep and just become lazy. And one of the things we need to guard against is lethargy or apathy. And and I'm starting with this one because my conviction is this, that the more we're engaged in spiritual life, the more apathetic to it we become. Now, that sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like the more I'm engaged in spiritual stuff, the more I'm in tune with it and the more fire it, yes, getting closer to Jesus. But instead, we become more uh, apathetic to it. And as a result, we slip into a lethargic existence. And so we need to be diligent. You know, one of the things I've tried to communicate to my children over the years and to us, listen, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't figure out what God is doing in your life, if you don't have a purpose, God, uh, somebody will figure it out for you. Somebody will dump a purpose on you. And the next thing you know, you're going down because you weren't diligent really seeking after God to hear from him. And the next thing you know, you're down a road and you're like, whew, how did I ever get here? 
Have you ever been, been driving and at some point you just kind of, you don't think you've fallen asleep, but the next thing you know, you're like, I, re- I remember uh, when I was in seminary, I used to have a church that was like an hour away from my, where I lived. And this hour drive like became, I would do it two or three times a week. And usually I'd go back late at night, either late Wednesday night, late Sunday night. <laughs> I remember one, one Wednesday night, I'm, I'm driving back, I'm thinking about stuff, I'm blah, 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 blah. I'm 20 miles past my exit before I come. I'm like, where, where, where am I? I'm in West Texas. I'm just cruising. I'm headed to Abilene. I passed Fort Worth. I've moved from one freeway onto another freeway. I don't even know. And I'm like, it scared the bejeebas out of me kind of thing. Like, I could be dead by now. I mean, I don't even remember the last half hour. Listen, sometimes if we quit being diligent, that's what happens. We end up in places we never thought we'd end up. Hebrews says this. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. In order to make your hope sure, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. How do you stay diligent? You stay patient, you stay faithful, you stay alert. Sometimes perseverance is not a characteristic that any of us really, really, really enjoys. We've prayed for something for a period of time. We've tried to pursue after God, but the next thing you know, we we feel like, I know God gave me this word, but I'm not seeing any progress. We cease to be diligent in it. And just to say to you again, this can happen to anyone where we cease to be diligent, fall asleep. Just think of the, uh, the night Jesus is betrayed. He goes up onto the Mount of Olives, Garden of Gethsemane, prays, takes three of his best with him into the garden. Hey, guys, I'm going to go pray for about an hour. Stay alert. Hang in there. What happens? He comes back, and he says, Simon. He could have said Simon, John, James, but he picks on Simon. Simon. The one who's always like, I can do anything. Are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Could you not hang in there, buddy, for one hour, Mr. Go Get It? You know, it's ironic. We were, um, Robin, Shannon, and I, and Kathy were in the Garden of Gethsemane. I know I'm name dropping. I was just in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, two months ago. Um, (laughs) But um, there are actually olive trees that are there. When Jesus was there, they're like 2,500-year-old olive trees that are there. They're propped up now. They're really old. But you could just, to me, it's incredible to think about. This tree is there, but Simon couldn't hang for an hour for 2,500 years. I I, I think Jesus is calling for us to, to stay diligent because we all, when something becomes familiar, we take it, we take it for granted. I, I've talked about this in the past, but it always cracks me up how my children, you, you get them this thing they had to have for Christmas. I have to have this to live kind of thing. And the next thing you know, an hour later, they're, yeah, they're bored with it. 
I'm exaggerating a little bit, depending on the level of life or death of the situation, but you know, we were cracking up. I, I now have a grandson, and Kathy and I were talking about what to get Leo, who's only 16 months old. I mean, I'm not going to remember what I get him anyway. Um, get him for 16 months old, and, and Adam was, happened to be home back in November. We were talking about it, and he, and he said, why, why, in the, why in the world are you all fretting over this? He was actually talking to his mom, but don't tell her I said it. Um, he was talking to his mom. He said, why are you fretting over this? Uh, all the boy needs is an empty paper towel roll and a spatula, and he's happy. And he's so right, because all Leo does is walk around with these empty rolls and spatulas, and the, the kid's totally content and happy. Too often, we want something, and then we think, oh, if I just get this, I'm, this is all I need to be happy. I won't even quote one of my favorite movies, but it's like, all I need is this lamp, yeah, I know some of you know what I'm talking about. All I need is this lamp and this chair to be happy. I don't need anything else to be happy. King David thought, if I get to be king, I'm going to be happy. Kept striving to be king, wanted to be king, anointed to be king, got to be king. Yeah, I'm king. It's, kinda, it's great to be king song. Um, Next thing you know, he's bored with being king. Army goes out to battle. He says, I'm going to hang back. I've been, I've been there, done it, got the T-shirt. I don't need to go to battle this year. I'm just going to hang, just sit on my rooftop, smoke a cigar, look at the wood, you know, just enjoy being king. Next, and it's at that point where David's life, he's gone. Sees Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop, He didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what? I'm going to make some decisions today that are going to result in me getting somebody else's wife pregnant. I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to murder a man. I'm going to lie to God. I'm going to lie to people. I'm going to cover it all up. I think I'll do that today. He, he got there because he quit being diligent. And the next thing he knew, boom, he's down this road. He... We need to wake up. We need to wake up because when we're asleep, we'll do things we would have never, we would have never dreamed of doing in any other way. We need to stay diligent. Okay, second point. Wake up to the command for action. It's not only a call to remain diligent, but there's, there's something for us to do as well. Like I said, prayer and fasting. Prayer is that activity of seeking God. Hey, anybody really love getting up at 5.30, 6 in the morning, going to prayer at church? Not the normal people. I mean, most of everybody, as soon as you say, prayer tomorrow morning, 6.45, it's going to be awesome. Come to prayer. Oh, dude. Do you know that's like the sun's not up yet. It's still dark out there. There's a call to action. There's this great proverb, Proverb 19, that the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's so lazy, I'm adding that, he will not even bring it back to his mouth. Oh, this food is so great. If I could just pick my hand up and get it to my mouth, I bet it would be even better. I mean, we, 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 we sit in luxury 
spiritual wealth is all around us, and we just kind of say, well, that, that really looks good. Maybe someday I'll join in. Maybe I'll go to prayer. Maybe I'll go to a small group. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll pray. Maybe I'll fast. Maybe I'll jump in someday. Looks good, though. Really nice. Listen, there's a call for action in all of our lives. There's a step we need to take. And if we're, if we're not careful, we'll fall asleep in the middle of the most unbelievable situation because we're just not acted. I remember when Jared was young, I took him to his first football game, college football game. This is a while ago, show you for some of you who remember. Auburn, Auburn fired, um, uh, I can't remember the coach. I'll think of it in a minute. Famous, famous, been there a long time. Pat Dye. Fired Pat Dye, Harry, hired Terry Bowden. Auburn had gotten pretty bad toward the end. Hired Terry Bowden. They were supposed to be awful. As a matter of fact, they were on probation. Double secret probation or some kind of probation. And they had won a couple of games. And Florida comes into Auburn Stadium, ranked like number two in the country or something. And everybody thinks Auburn's, they're going to get just slaughtered today. They're going to get killed. And um, so I could get tickets to this game because nobody, no Auburn fans wanted to go because they're like, we're going to get killed. And so Jared was only like three, four, I can't remember how old he was when we went to the game. He was young. And it was the loudest football game I've ever been to in my life. I mean, somehow the stadium filled up and Auburn, in the end, wins this phenomenal game. And it's just, I couldn't even hear. I couldn't talk to the people around me. And I'm holding Jared and he's just sound asleep. You know, he's like, I've had enough football for today. I'm going to sleep. If we're not careful, we can be in those situations and just fall asleep because there's, God is calling us to act. There's a story, uh, I'll just highlight it real quick. Do you remember the story of Jonah? God comes to him and says, hey, uh, rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against, against it for their wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah does something, no prophet should ever do? I don't think so. I think I, I hate those people. I hate those. I know you, God. If I go and preach repentance and they repent, you're going to forgive them. And I hate them. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go. So maybe you'll just wipe them out. See, if I, can't, if I don't preach the word, they're not going to hear it. They can't repent, and then you'll destroy Nineveh. Great guy, Jonah. Had a heart for the people. Loved them. You know, really... <laughs> no, you don't see in Jonah, uh, you know, that cry for the nations thing. Oh, Lord, give me the inheritance of the nation. You're not seeing that in, in Jonah. So you know the story. Jonah ups and he goes and jumps on a ship and heads out. Lord sends a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid. Each cried out to his own God, and they threw, they're, they're at the point they're throwing cargo over the sea. Where's Jonah? But Jonah had, he lay down, fell into a deep sleep. He'd become so spiritually asleep, he could physically sleep in the middle of this incredible storm. And the captain comes down to him and says, how can you sleep? How is this even possible? Get up, call on your God. 
Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Listen, the, the, the captain's not really a religious man believing in the one true. He's like, anybody got a God out there, now's the time. Hey, you, you're asleep. How can you sleep? Maybe it's your God. Well, it was his God. You know, we, can we just be honest and say we are in the middle of a storm? I mean, we're in the middle of the storm. Pick your storm. I don't even have to give it to you. You've got some storm in your mind all of a sudden. Oh, I've got a family storm. I've got a we're in a political storm. Our government's not even operating right now. There are religious storms going. I mean, there are storms raging all around us. And instead of falling asleep, I believe God is saying, listen to my voice. I'll give you wisdom in what to do, but you've got to hear from me and, I'll, and, and step out in faith. Don't be like the man. And, and just to say, I don't see God in this whole situation around me. Listen, here's what God would say to you. You're like the sluggard whose hand is in the food. I mean, it is so spiritually wealthy around you. I've given you my presence. I've given you my power. I've given you my people. You got no excuse. Things may be hard, but your hand, if you're hungry, it's not because the food isn't there. Wake up. Finally, wake up to the crisis of deception. Wake up to the crisis of deception. <clears throat> Here's the last proverb, Proverb 22, 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside, or I'll be murdered in the streets. Now, here's the problem. There ain't no lion. There is no lion out. I mean, there is one outside, but he could be a, a thousand miles away outside. And the guy's not going to be murdered in the streets. In other words, he's deceived about the truth that is around him, but he's acting on what? I say this all the time. He's acting on what he believes to be true, whether it's true or not. And that's us. We act on what we believe to be true, whether it's true or not. So what do we need? We need the truth. We need deception to be, be exposed. You've probably read about this over the past years. It's grown in. But there's this phrase now that is just, it's called death by GPS. Have you heard of this phrase? It's called death by GPS. Someone gets in their car. I'm going to go here. They plug it into their GPS. doesn't matter what the world looks like around them. I'm going to follow the GPS. And there are accounts of people dying because they're following their GPS rather than using the GPS as a tool and using their senses to kind of look around. The place that it most happens uh, are in very remote wilderness areas like Death Valley. Takes, you know, if you, if you take a wrong turn in Death Valley, I mean, just the name of the place gives, kind of says, this isn't a place you want to get lost, Death Valley. We need the light of truth. We need God's truth to help us wake up from the schemes of the deceiver. He's trying to deceive us. And the thing is, if we don't wake up in the right way and are so sensitive to the voice of God, we'll just we'll go down the wrong path. 
Again, one more biblical example, then I'll kind of wrap this up for this week. Samson, strong guy, lacking character. Falls in love with the wrong woman um, who is then you know, trying to get him to reveal the source of his strength. The Philistines, the bad people, are trying to get, using her to get to him. You know the story, famous story. So, like any good relationship, he lies to her from the start about the source of his strength. Yeah, it's this, it's this, it's this. Finally, like I said, any good relationship, she nags him to death. Till finally, y'all aren't laughing with me at this point anymore. Finally, she, he reveals the source of his strength to her. says in Judges, having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Now this is like the third, fourth time this has happened. Every time he wakes up, you know, because he's lied to her about what it was, Samson is also not the brightest bulb in the Bunch, because he keeps waking up, and oh, I told her last night if she braided my, you know, did my hands. Whoa, look at my hands. You know, then he wakes up, breaks the bounds, goes out and kills the Philistines. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. Here's the line that, oh my, this is the most, one of the most devastating lines. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He was so deceived, he didn't even, he wasn't even aware that God's presence was now, was now gone. We need to hear from the Lord. Because see, what happens is sin and life desensitizes us. And we fall asleep even in church, and the enemy will come. And he's painted like a, a, a man who sows good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping... The enemy comes in, sows bad seed among the good seed. Now, we need to stay awake, and I mean, there's a lot of ways to see this parable, but the point being, we need to, to really stay awake because the deceiver will take us down a road. And the terrible thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. You don't know. I mean, no one wants to say, ah, man, I love being deceived. I love walking in this deception. This is awesome. Don't wake me up. Here's, here's where we're headed for this time of prayer and fasting. The theme of it is called prepare. And the reason is this. Here's the world's way of operating. And we've talked about this in, in the past. But the world's way of operating is this. Predict what the future looks like and then plan, plan to get there, right? Okay, here's, here's, here's the prediction. Now I'm going to plan my steps in order to accomplish. Listen, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a big planner. I like planning. It, it, it makes me feel peaceful to plan, to look to the future and to say, okay, I got my steps. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I got my calendar. It's all unorganized. It's all organized, and I got it on my phone in various colors. It'll beat me when it's time, and blah, blah, blah. I like that. Here's the problem. If my prediction is wrong, 
My plans have no use. In other words, I, I don't really know what the future holds. I can't predict tomorrow because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Therefore, I can't plan it. Here's some great predictions. From, these are from really smart people, too. These are not predictions from dummies. These are predictions of people who are leading industrialists in their time. Um, so there's this uh, president of a bank in Michigan when Henry Ford went to get a loan. He said, the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty, a fad. Daryl Zanuck, who was one of the leading film producers of his day, started 20th Century Fox, said television won't be able to hold on to any market it captures after the first six months. People will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. <laughs> Keep going. I, I got a ton of these. These are really, I'll try not to overwhelm you. Uh, President of Western Union in an internal memo uh, said, this telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. The device is inherently of no value to us. Thomas Watson president of IBM said in 1943, I think there's a world market for maybe five computers. Ken Olson, who was founder of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1977, said there is no reason for any individual to have a computer in his home. We're not even going to go that way. No reason. No spot. Robert Metcalf, founder of 3Com, said, I predict the internet will soon go spectacularly supernova and in 1996, catastrophically collapse. Yeah, he just missed it. Missed it by that much. Yeah. Mary Cooper, Motorola engineer and inventor of the first cell phone, I think it's Marty Cooper actually, said, cellular phones will absolutely not replace local wire systems. That's the inventor of the phone. And Steve Ballmer, Microsoft's CEO, said there's no chance that the iPhone is getting any significant market share in 2007. I mean, very smart people make predictions, then they plan based on these predictions, and they are unbelievably wrong. Problem is now their whole plan is wrong. So if we don't predict and plan, what do we do? I just saw this movie, um, um, it, it was called The Momentum Generation. Uh, it's a movie, a documentary, and it's about a group of surfers who came together as a group uh, in the 80s, and it's an HBO sports film, and chain surfing, and it, it just, it's beautifully filmed. I'm gonna show you some clips next week. I liked it, and it's got some incredible video of surfing, but, and, I can't surf. I've never, even though I was raised in Miami, I never learned to. I never learned to surf. But a surfer, a surfer, paddles out on their board and just sits on the board, waiting for a wave. And they can't predict the wave. They can't really even plan for the wave. All they can do is prepare themselves. And then when the wave comes in, they jump on the board and they ride like crazy. They prepare, and then when the wave comes in, they participate. To me, that's really more of what we do in the kingdom of God. That's what prayer and fasting does for us. It, it gets us ready. It prepares us. 
and then it makes us sensitive so that we're ready, and when God moves, we move with Him. We do what He's, he's calling us to do. This time of prayer and fasting is a time to wake up spiritually, get ready to prepare, and then when God moves, participate. Now listen, I, I, I want to be sensitive to the fact that, <coughs> excuse me, there are a lot of reasons why we don't participate when God moves. We've been hurt. We've been wounded. We've got things that have gone on in our past. We don't think God does that kind of stuff anymore. I mean, bad teaching, bad experiences, bad. There's a lot. We want to help people get to a place of health so that they can hear from God and then move when God moves. But today, what we want to focus on is this. Wake up. Wake up. Understand the present time. The hour has come for us to wake up from our slumber because our salvation, and he's really talking about the return. It's nearer now than it's ever been. And that is true today. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Wake up, be diligent, wake up, step out, wake up, receive the truth. How do we do that? Let's walk in the light. It is light that makes everything visible. This is why it says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We'll talk about this in the week, next week. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Church, let me encourage us to, to wake up. Here's what we're going to do. I, I, I really would love to have as many of you as would like to come join us on weekdays, Monday through Friday, 645 in the, in the, in the youth room. Next couple of days, we're seeking after God. Just say, God, move. God, move direct us. Help us all to wake up so we can hear your voice. And as part of that, what we would like to do is, I, I, I would like for us to pray for something that you are trying to hear from God about in the days ahead. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, I'm going to ask you to take a prayer card out of the seat back in front of you. And if you want to put your name, we'd love to pray for you by name. But if you don't want to put your name, maybe the request is a little personal and it's just something, but you'd like for us to pray about it, it'll just, we're going to put it in the prayer room over this next week. And we're, by the way, we're going to do this over the next couple of weeks. We're going to pray for these requests daily to pray that God would move, to hear from God and that God would move at the same time on these individual corporate requests for us as a body. So just take some, just pray for Take a card out, fill it out. Craig's going to come up here and uh, the team is going to lead us in a time of worship. And what I'm going to ask you to do is this. Bring your prayer card to the front and just throw it on the steps. Just as an act of worship to say, God, he, he, this is what I have to offer my need. 
But God, at the same time, as I'm offering my need, I'm offering me. Help me wake up. Help me to become more diligent. Help me to not be deceived. Help me to step out in faith in the days ahead. Because when you're prepared, you don't know when God will move. God could move this afternoon. I mean, I, I, we say prepare, and you're thinking, oh, months from now, I've got to be ready. You know what? God could, move, God could be moving at lunch today. If you're on the worship team, come on. Um, God could move at lunch today, and all of a sudden, you better be ready if he wants you to say something to the waiter or waitress or your family or whatever the case may be. Don't think so big. Like, think moment by moment, day by day, of God's movement in your life. So bring these requests up. We'll worship. If you would like, uh, and here's what I'm going to ask as well. After they come up, ministry teams, if you would just gather around the front. After you bring your card, ministry team, just stay here. And then if you would like somebody to pray with you about healing, about direction, maybe you recognize I've become apathetic and lethargic and I need to wake up, let the Spirit of God, I need a fresh touch of the Spirit of God. We're going to uh, have a time where we pray for one another. Does, does all that make sense? So as Craig starts to lead, just bring your card, put it on the steps, ministry team stay, or if you need prayer, stay, and our ministry teams will, will get to you and pray. Otherwise, let's just spend a little time in worship as well. Stand up. Lord, we thank you for this moment.